0: It is Rare Disease Day. So we're going to find out a little bit more about that and also what you, the listener, can do to help people with rare diseases um, in their journey. So I want to welcome back Laura Cal. So welcome, Laura. Thanks, Pip. It's great to be back.
1: Now tell me, you've been busy. Mm Mm-hmm. What's this charity? Talk to me. Okay. So uh, Fibrodysplasia, McCune-Albright Syndrome Australia, forever known as FD Mass Australia for the rest of this podcast, uh, is a charity that I, I created uh, to raise awareness – support care pathways um, and provide education for people living with um, FDMAS and also for um, health professionals trying to support people who have FDMAS. So I started that charity. Uh, We are doing a slow launch. You know, I've got so many things happening that I'm trying to kind of uh, juggle releasing that. But we just finished uh, the Fibrodisplasia McCune-Albright Syndrome Awareness Week. Um, You know, that ran from the 20th of February to the 27th. And we ran an awareness campaign focusing on being kind to yourself, highlighting key statistics from FD Mass Re- patient registry uh, surveys and telling the stories of people living with FD Mass. Wow. And
0: those stories have been incredible. So what has been the impact of the awareness campaign?
1: Yeah, what, one of the real um, joys is to see the rare disease that is FDMAS um, being brought out into the light and highlighting stories of people who are otherwise unknown. And, um, you know, the highlights have been being contacted by people, you know, who, who want to share their stories and really them getting a platform to tell the world their experiences, their struggles, and the issues that they've had with getting um, care pathways in place and being diagnosed. So what is FDMAS? Well, F- so FDMAS itself, fibrodysplasia, McKeon-Albright syndrome. Um, so fibrodysplasia is uh, a bone disease. It affects your bones um, and basically in its basic form is a uh, it, it brittles your bones. So it has, and I don't like using the term tumours, so let's just say um, fibro tissue that grows into your bones, um, it can be, be quite deformating. Um, so you, you have deform deformatives uh, within your, wherever the region that it is. Um, there's polycystic, which is multiple regions in your body, and monocystic, which is in one place. Um, McCune-Albright syndrome is a little bit more complex and it, it affects your central nervous system. Um, it can affect your puberty, uh you know, it's hormone related, but there isn't a lot of research uh, in Australia. There's no research in Australia. It's all overseas at the moment. So it's kind of, you know, rare diseases and FD mass and what is it? It's still evolving. Uh, we're still starting to learn more and more as people participate in patient surveys. People are diagnosed. Um, it's a genetic disorder. So it comes, uh, you know, people are born with it, uh, but we're not tested at this stage for um, FD. Mass. And so what's the motivation behind creating the charity? The main motivation behind it is to raise awareness, uh, to make sure people don't feel alone, uh, to try and support people. The long-term goal is to support people with um, FD Mass to be able to to find a really easy care pathway, because uh, not just with FD Mass, but with rare diseases in general, uh, the care pathways Are long and it can take from you know being born till you're in your 40s or 50s to even be diagnosed. And during that time, you're spending a lot of money, you're spending a lot of time, and you're going to doctors, and your um, quality of life is impacted. So FD Mass's real goal is to try and uh, raise awareness both within the patient groups but also within the health professionals to provide a, a revenue stream, so to try and provide funding to people that apply and they, they don't have the ability to pay for their medical um, and to try and make it more health a bit more equitable for all.
0: So you've got your story.
1: Yes, I do.
0: <laughs> and you've shared your story. I have. Um, so what has been the response from people who have then found out that that's what you're living
1: with? Um, It's been really... uh, Well, look, firstly, people have been kind, which is nice, uh, but people are surprised. And because a lot of people who live with rare diseases, you don't tell that they have rare diseases by looking at them. Um, And a lot of people are quite determined whether they have a rare disease or not. Um, And people are successful. So I've had a lot of people kind of go, Oh and then they sort of feel sorry for me <laughs> and I have to kind of go well no it doesn't change me you know I'm still me and I'm still you know able to do everything and I think people sort of then start to wrap me up a little bit with cotton wool and say oh you sure you can take that on shouldn't you have a rest and I'm thinking well I'm 43 I'm still kicking so you know I'm okay but it's you know they've been really kind
0: So what were some of your frustrations when you didn't quite know that this is what
1: it was for you? Yeah, my journey has been long and um, the frustrations have not been felt about not being diagnosed because I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew that from a child I had health issues. Um, From a child it was really inconsistent with my symptoms and you know I could be absolutely fantastic and hitting leaps and bounds and then I would be exhausted and chronic pain and unable to function to my you know 100% ability. And um, I've had many exploratory surgeries. I've had, um, you know, I've had a full hysterectomy, which was a shock in itself because I did that in my thirties, and um, you know, specialists would focus in on singular things and not the holistic view because they didn't know. And we weren't looking for a genetic rare disease, right? I grew up in the country, so healthcare wasn't really accessible to me and my parents at that time. Um, and so I really found that the, it wasn't frustration, but it was relief when by accident I was diagnosed with a fibrodysplasia. And then by accident, um, after I had a particularly terrible day, I put a little post up on Facebook, um, a a Facebook page and, you know, said, does anyone else experience pain more so when they're hormonal? And someone wrote back to me and said, reach out to this endocrinologist. She's amazing. And you might get some answers. And from there, I have been um, a much more stable human because I was diagnosed with early menopause, which, well, p- um, perimenopause, which is something that can come with uh, uh, McCune albright syndrome is these early stages of change in life. Um, so I'm now on hormone replacement therapy. So I feel a lot more in control of my hormones and um, in my whole body. And so, yeah, my frustrations, is not really the word but it's more it's more the challenges around diagnosis because health professionals focus in on the symptom and a result to try and fix you in that moment that holistic view of what is the bigger cause or the bigger problem is harder to do and our you know and it's harder to to do when you're in a 30 minute appointment at a gp and, and yeah, most that, GP- that's my frustration. 30 minute GP. Yeah. yeah. And and if that, you know, sometimes it's fifteen minutes. And and if they've never heard of it before, they're not going to look for it. Um, and fibrodysplasia is found um, obviously in your bones, and it's um can be done by an X-ray. Um, you know, I've had MRIs, bone scans, and they're all so costly mm-hmm. to have all of them and you don't get them, you, you get like a real minor percentage back on Medicare. Your healthcare funds that you pay so much money into doesn't cover them. So you're really out of pocket. Um, so if you don't have money, you sometimes sometimes people just struggle to actually continue down that path of diagnosis and treatment because it's not actually curable, um, which is, you know, the frustrations I think that I feel is for other people and what they would be experiencing.
0: So that leads
1: me to ask
0: how what those coping strategies look like then now knowing what it is and the impact
1: that it's had on your life. Yeah. I have a few coping strategies. One of them is to remind myself to be kind to myself, to remind myself that pain is going to be with me forever, so I need to be really mindful of that and take time out. Um, I need to – some of my coping mechanisms are around, you know, long baths with magnesium salts. Um, You know, I light up a candle and I just make myself have some time down out of the world itself and into Laura Land. Um, I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we all have our own <laughs> land, you know, and we just need to go there sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, that I, I keep reminding myself I'm not alone and I keep uh, focusing in on helping others and, and that's my real coping mechanism. It's to raise awareness, help others, find that care pathway. I've created a checklist, developed a, a flyer, you know, really focused in on kind of if I feel down and out, I just pull out Canva and I start creating things that are going to help others. And it really brings me back to a place of good, good and kindness.
0: Fantastic. And
1: here in the Shire, you've got
0: a great deal of support. So what does that look like? when we say support, that people sort of go, oh, what does that look like for you?
1: Well, my world in the Shire is um, one of community. And I have um, a group of people in different areas. I mean, Pip, you're one of my supporters and I'm one of yours. (laughs) You know, we're doing our podcast. And so you're supporting me to get my voice Mm -hmm. Elevated and a platform to get that out there to raise awareness about not only this rare disease but everything else that I'm passionate about. Um, You know, I've got my football which um, is, you know, access to so many community members and um, supportive clubs and volunteers. And then I've got the council and I've got all the councillors who are my supportive colleagues and um, my family. are oh, there obviously in the Shire too. And so I, I just feel like um, the Shire is my paradise and safe haven. And it seems so ridiculous because, you know, you kind of put this... on a a location but when I drive over the Alfred's Point Bridge and I've said it so many times, I just look to left to right. The water's glistening, the trees are there and I just feel so safe and enveloped into the comfort of my community. So when we talk about support, it's more about just the entire community of people and environment that makes me feel supported. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i just want to
1: cry oh no
0: don't cry <laughs> oh actually you know what it's okay to cry i know
1: it's actually know. really good to cry yeah, but
0: you've just articulated it very well <laughs> and it's kind of, that's exactly what it is it's yeah. exactly what it is yeah. yeah you look around and you find the people that are friendly faces even if you don't know them you feel safe yeah and i think that's a pitch few people feel that
1: and I think that's the thing um you know we've got a really engaged community mm. everybody has it wants to have a say in something and I love that because even though some people can't articulate it in a kind way they still have a passion about trying to get things across and I love that they want to share with me and I love that I have that um ability to have people reach out to me so you know that's probably my main coping mechanisms and my whole support and and yeah I just love this area and people. So what's your advice to people who are
0: sort of probably in this on this pathway of um, you know not quite sure what their disease might be or have some fears around it?
1: Yeah, so when it comes to um, the rare disease in general, my advice is to not Google too much. Um, Google can be your friend to a degree, but it also... um, Kind of has algorithms behind it, so you're going to end up with the most popular answer to something, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the most accurate. So I recommend going to your peak bodies. Um, and so for rare diseases, rare diseases, it's Rare Disease Australia. Um, they're the peak body for. Um, the National Peak Body for People Living with Diseases. They have a website. They have stories. They, they talk a lot about um, the different rare diseases. I mean, there's over 7,000 rare diseases now. Uh, I also recommend, you know, going on to websites like uh, Genetic Alliance Australia. Um, plug, I'm a board member on that, so, you know, <laughs> just a bit of a plug for that. They're a really great organisation mm. and they list every genetic disease that they that they can think of and they partner with people um, who provide patient support groups. So FDMass Australia, Fibrodisplasia McCune Albright Syndrome Australia is a partner with with Genetic Alliance. And um, you know, you can find the majority of them listed. And if it isn't, you they update their website and and you get on there as well. Um, Yeah, there's a I also recommend, you know, there is support groups on Facebook um, not everyone, don't read it as though it's your experience. That's a really important thing. Um, and not everything in your life relates back to the rare disease. So it's really important to differentiate because you can become like you're living in a bubble and you can attribute everything to it. You know, like I stubbed my foot. Oh, it must've been FD mass, you know, and it really isn't.
0: It's not everything.
1: Mm, it can be quite
0: consuming. Yes. So finding that, so those sort of other avenues and support. Um, now, we're story people, but yes. give me some stats on rare disease because this sort of blew me away when we spoke about this the first time.
1: Yeah. So globally, 300 million people, 300 million people have a rare disease. In Australia, uh, we have got approximately 8% of our population, which is over 2 million people right? And over 70% of rare diseases start in childhood, 72% are genetic. And when you start to think of the stats, like in America alone, one in 11 people have a rare disease. If you start to think like that, yes, your rare disease, the small one of 7,000 known rare diseases they're not that many people, but when you start to think about it, every rare disease, and you put all seven thousand together, we're not that rare anymore. Mm. We're actually um, a quite a large group of people. In a, who are spread out across the world globally. Um, and in Australia, there's 2 million of us. So, you know, we have the ability to have our voices heard. And there's a number of, you know, things and initiatives that are happening. Um, this Rare Disease Day, you know, the the whole um, purpose of Rare Disease Day is to achieve equitable access to diagnosis, treatment, health, social care, and social opportunity for people affected by rare diseases. And the more voices, you know, in two thousand and seventeen, I think there was only nineteen countries involved. To two thousand and nineteen, where a hundred countries are involved. So the more uh, it gathers that, you know, stone rolling and gets moss, mm-hmm. it, it begin begins that awareness, and you no longer feel alone. And do you think telehealth
0: has supported? those um, people who haven't got access, like you were talking before, those ones that are in remote locations, has that had an impact, do you think,
1: on increasing
0: the diagnosis
1: of rare disease? I don't think, I'm not quite sure it's impacted the diagnosis of rare disease, but I think it's impacted the accessibility to um, specialists that you wouldn't have access to in the past. You know, during covid Um, telehealth really went through the roof and it was pretty much the only means that a lot of specialists were able to get people who were even in the city. You know, I started having telehealth appointments. It's not, it can't replace that in the room feeling though, you know, where they actually get their hands on you and they can touch your body and see if there's been any physical changes. Um, One of the things that telehealth, I think um, would benefit from is having like a a kind of set in place point dot points that kind of says, for your next appointment, please keep your diary that tells us that that says the symptoms or what you've experienced between your telehealth. because that 30 minutes online, You forget everything, you know. I remember making an appointment to see a doctor, who, by the way, was in Illawong. I'm in Alfreds Point. Could not go and see them because of COVID, so I had to look online. There's Telehealth, and I completely forgot why I'd even had the appointment in the first place. And you sort of sit there and you go, "Oh yeah, I felt like a little bit," and you don't remember. So Telehealth has its place. Um, It's it's still not um, as effective as it could be, and The infrastructure around telehealth is not supportive of it. So, you know, the internet, we should have next level internet in Australia and we don't. And so when we talk about investing into internet and other things, it shouldn't be focused in on internet's going to support your Netflix. It should be focused in on internet's going to make it equitable for people all over the world and in Australia specifically to access healthcare. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, all right. So I guess it sort of leads me down to what can people do to support those with a rare disease, um, especially this rare disease day? Yeah. Um, but we know that every day pretty much has um, a support system, like, you know, a support of an organisation around it. So when we're looking at specific diseases or um, causes, how can people generally help
1: that, but then more specifically
0: support people who are actually experiencing the rare disease?
1: Yeah. And I think um, because everything's so different and unique and there is so many rare diseases and each rare disease needs its a light, it needs to have a, sh- a light shine a shine on it. I think it's um, you can't support everything. So if you know someone with a rare disease, I'd support that, you know, and you'd focus in on how co- asking them how do you how do you want to su- meet a support that. Um, I know it's really hard to choose between all the diseases. You know, one in five cancers is a rare disease, right? So there's just so many things that you can support out there. Um, I. I know that from my point of view, like dysplasia has a real um, goal of raising awareness for dysplasia McCune-Albright syndrome, but I also have a goal of raising awareness for rare diseases as a whole. And I think it's um, as you sort of go down the pathway of supporting different diseases or initiatives, you kind of start to realise that maybe supporting the whole is the best way to go and you can you can find resources online like i said rare voices australia is a great resource to find um different initiatives that they're doing you know there's the national um let me get this right so in 2020 the australian government launched the first ever national strategic action plan for rare diseases and so there is action plans out of that that support rare diseases as a whole and if you know someone who has a rare disease, that disease will be caught up and in that um, whole action plan. But if you want to raise a lot awareness and light, read about it, put a little post on your Facebook page, link it back to whatever the, the support group is for that and try and raise awareness for that specific initiative. Okay, so I've got a two-pronged question oh. here
0: because that was a really good explanation. But I guess when you're how do you ha, if you have a rare disease, how do you bring that up so that you can sort of either educate someone or inform them that this is what you have? Like, yeah. so if you're you're the one experiencing the rare disease, quite often it's a private matter, mm-hmm. and we don't sort of want to you know blurt it onto everybody. yeah, um what's one of the ways that you use, or what language do you use
1: or introduction do you use to yeah to yeah. share that well I've had a few conversations lately about this because you know as I said I'm I, I have to tell my story whether I like it or not right because that is the purpose and sole goal of FD Mass Australia is to raise awareness um some people don't want to hear it, and I, so I don't actually raise it. I don't bring it up unless people are talking to me about health or issues. Um, and I, which is a common <laughs> sort of conversation as you get older. And it's a common conversation now <laughs> since we've had COVID and everything was highlighted. I love it. Everyone's like, you know, did you know I've got this? And now oh, I feel like this. And I actually love it because there is that. Um, Everyone feels like they can feel comfortable now in sharing their story. Um, The way I kind of approach it is in a positive light and uh, I don't want people to feel like um, someone with a rare disease or someone who's different (laughs) um, can't achieve things in life. And so when I talk about the rare disease that I have, I talk about it in a positive manner. I talk about what I'm doing, what I'm trying, what I'm trying to achieve, the um, outcomes that I have and I've had some recent conversations where people have looked at me in shock when I've talked about, you know, some of the symptoms that I experience and why I don't do things. So because I have a lesion in the base of my skull because of FD mass, I choose not to play sports anymore in case I get hit with a ball. Now, let's be fair. If I wasn't having FD mass at my age now, I'd probably find another excuse. So it's just really something I talk about so that I have an excuse not to play football, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the language that you use, you have to we have to make it normal. Mm. We have to really normalize the fact that 300 million people in the world have a rare disease of some kind. And, you know, we have to make it normal that in Australia, 72% of people have a childhood disease that is genetic, right? Like it's it's just the way it is. We are not people who uh, should be, you know, put into cotton wool and kept in our bubbles, et cetera. We are people who need to have a quality of life the same as everybody else, you know, everybody else is should have um, access to good healthcare. They should have access to. We we want the same thing, and I talk about we like that because you've th- got three hundred million yeah. others. Yeah, and I'm on like, you team. know what? Don't you worry. I got a. <laughs> I got my posse behind me, guys. Look, let's take the world on. But in reality, you know, we're all, everybody is the same. We're all going to end in the same way. We we're all born at. You know, not necessarily the same way. There's different ways to be born, but you know, we're all we're all uh, we're all born. And I think that's the thing that um, I really—that's the thing I've learned throughout my journey—is that we are all equal. Talk about whatever you feel like talking about. Um, if people ask you questions, educate them. Tell them the stats. Understand your your own. Health. We are the only ones in control. Like I said, 30 minutes at a doctor's surgery, you're not going to get them looking after you to the degree that you can look after yourself. Mm. So you have to be in control of your health and your pathway and, you know, downloading checklists and making sure that you're in control so that you can have the quality of life that you want and you deserve. And I think that, I mean, that's my long answer to really your language needs to be however you feel in the moment you want to do. Mm. And if you have a day where you say, I really feel crap and I really don't feel like talking to anyone, then do it. Mm. We all have to.
0: Well done because (laughs) the second part to that is how can people, when you share that story or where they hear that story, how can they respond Mm. and what's that um, supportive way to do that? So yep. that, could, like you were saying before, people are quite shocked and they actually don't know what to say next. Yeah. So can you give us some language around? I mean, this is very general, but absolutely. Um, and I think it goes across an, a number of intersections in the community. But I think we just need to continue to reinforce what, how to how to show that support um, through curiosity.
1: Yeah, and cur- that's the exact word, curiosity. Um, you know, if you want to know something, ask. If mm-hmm. if you're not quite sure what the person's telling you, um, ask more questions.
0: I think that was my response was, I've yeah. never heard of that before. What, yeah. d- what does that mean? And your response
1: was, <laughs> can you send me a link? Yeah. Can you t- can I <clears throat> learn some more? Oh, I wonder if anybody else I know has got this. You know, you, you are so curious and, and questionable. I loved it because it meant that I was not shying away from it. It made me feel encouraged to speak more. Um, and I think, you know, people... People will react however they want they want to react or how they feel in the moment. And if people and depending on what disease someone's telling you, you know, there's so many different diseases. Some of them are not curable. Some of them, you know, are are terminal. And so, you you depending on the disease that you're being told about is probably going to depend on your emotional response. But the long term response and language should be one of acceptance, acceptance, kindness, and just understanding and and being you take your cues from the person telling you and if they're telling you in a positive calm manner I the response I suggest is one that's positive calm and back and just go okay and don't treat any differently because before they told you you were not Mm. doing anything different so don't start doing something different now that they've told you yes exactly (laughs) <laughs> I love
0: that. I love
1: that. Um,
0: all right, well, this has been really interesting and I hope that a lot of people have got the information, the links, the resources, the support that
1: they need. Um, what is the future, immediate and long-term? Yep, okay, so immediate future is um, in... oh. About eight days' time, I'm heading off down to a parliamentary event. Yes, I know I'm going to parliament. Um, I'm going to parliament for a parliamentary event on the 8th of March, and we're going to commemorate uh, Rare Disease Day. I'm doing that as a partner with Rare Voices Australia. And, you know, we're going to, one of the things that we do long term but also for this um, parliamentary event, is to raise awareness and inform policy policy makers on the issues being faced by people with rare disease. Long-term goals is to keep highlighting, um, staying staying true to the the long-term goal of raising awareness, um, care, getting better care pathways and um, ensuring that there's support groups in place for people with FD Mass uh, and really just keep on doing you know uh, we've got actions to coming out of that social media campaign so watch this space it's only going to get bigger better and FD Mass, for the rareness that it is and it's pretty bloody rare it will actually be one of the most popular place i uh, topics going around at least in the shire of my support group that's for sure (laughs) all right so where do we follow Yep. Uh, so you can follow me at FD Mass Australia um, and you can uh, also go onto my website www.fdmassaustralia.com.au and you'll find all the information and resources and partners' links on there as well. Now, it's a registered
0: charity. Yes, it which is. Which you've recently got status for. Yes. Um, which means that it's it's great because people can make donations yes. um, and they're tax deductible. Um, but what's the, what's the next step for them who want to support you.
1: Uh, look just reach out send me an email Let's talk at f- fdmassaustralia.com.au. Um, or you can give me a call my phone number and details are on the website um, and on facebook just reach out to me and we can talk about how you can support FD Mass australia and or how i can support you well i am so proud of you
0: you have done an amazing job getting this charity off the ground and i know that it's going to have a massive impact on the community the 300 million people out there um, are <laughs> Are so grateful um, and that's a huge posse that's that fills a couple of stadiums i know right bring it <laughs> <laughs> bigger than any olympics um, so yeah so well done on everything that you've achieved so
1: far and uh, we look forward to following your journey thanks pip as always i've really enjoyed it <laughs>